Welcome to K2 and a happy new year, 2010. Wow, you guys are excited about that. <laughs> happy new year. Oh, wow, that's a little better. Wow, come on, the, the economic crisis is getting better. We're, we're all optimistic about this year, right? And here's the best whatever. <laughs> here's, the, here's the best thing about this year. Without a doubt, hands down, best thing about 2010 Soccer World Cup this summer. Yes, baby. Yes, and uh, here's a word of prophecy. Germany will take it all, I believe. Yes. And on their way, they're probably going to play the U.S. in the second round, so I'm sorry. It's going to be an early departure again for the U.S. soccer team. Anyway, well, it's good to be here with you. It's a privilege to be with you on the first Sunday of 2010. And I'm just looking forward to my time with you and would like to pray. Before we start, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for another year, new beginnings, new opportunities, new opportunities, Lord, with you to, to get to know you better, to serve you more, to love you more deeply. And so I just want to commit this year and this morning to you. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word and um, yeah, that we would truly have an encounter with you and with your love here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So a new series in the new year titled The Only Thing That Counts. And really, the only thing that counts is what? It was really summed up in the video already. The only thing that counts is love. You know, we just came out of the, the holiday season when everybody talks about love and giving, right? And, and gifts and family and peace and, and all that. And then it often turns out not to be so loving and peaceful. But today we're not going to talk about the interpersonal aspect of love. That's often, you know, when we, when we think about love, we think about our affection for each other, maybe romantic love, relationships. But that's not what we want to start out with this year. We will talk about that in, in the weeks to come. But this morning we want to talk about, I believe, the most important aspect of love, and that is receiving love and specifically receiving God's love. And I don't know if you knew this, if you've come here for a while, I hope you would know this. Um, the number one value of K2 is the fulfillment of receiving from God. That's our number one value that we want people to be fulfilled by receiving from God and receiving God's love primarily. And there's a lot of powerful aspects about love there's really powerful emotions of especially you know falling in love i mean i hope you've all experienced that um it's a really powerful emotion but to me the most powerful thing about love is receiving love from somebody else you know again falling in love and, and loving somebody can be powerful there's extreme feelings involved and those extreme feelings often lead to extreme actions <laughs> don't they sometimes we regret those later um but there's there's a lot of intensity involved in loving somebody but there's also a lot of risk involved in loving somebody isn't it we we open ourselves up we make ourselves vulnerable and we get hurt inevitably at times we get hurt and these these intense Feelings of falling in love and loving somebody are really not sustainable unless the rational aspect of commitment comes in when, it, when we talk about loving others. But being loved by somebody 
is a little different. It gives us this, this deep feeling of acceptance and assurance. It, it gives me safety. It allows me to trust. And it allows me not to depend on, on my performance or accomplishments. Because being loved by somebody, truly being loved, is, is unconditional. You know, I know that my wife, that Sandrine, loves me so deeply. I would never doubt that for a second. And that gives me so much security in our relationship with each other. So my question is, when it comes to God, I feel like this about my wife, really, really strongly and deeply. And I ask myself the question, preparing for this morning, do I feel that deeply secure in the love that I receive from God? And I want to ask you that question. Do you feel secure and completely sheltered in the love that you receive from God? Or do you feel rejection when you think about God? Do you feel unconditionally safe with Him? Or do you feel that you constantly have something to prove with God? If you don't feel accepted and assured and safe in God's love, then then maybe, just maybe, we haven't really truly experienced the full extent of God's love for us yet. Because we can't experience his love just by hearing or reading about it. And I'm sure some of you think, yeah, Dave, Andy, Christian, the speakers I care to, they, they constantly talk about experiencing God's love and really engaging with him. But I haven't really felt that in my life. And so I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from people. I, I, don't really, I know God loves me. I read it in the Bible. I hear it. I know it. But I don't really feel it. I don't experience it. And so I, I was thinking through this. What, what makes us feel loved by somebody? What makes me feel loved by my wife? What makes you feel loved by other people? And I don't know if you've heard about the five love languages. It's a, it's a great book that talks about really five ways that all of us receive love in. Number one, and this is probably resonates with most of you women out there, is quality time. Right? Honey, can we talk? Oh, sure, let's talk. What did I do wrong? That's always my first thought. But all she really wants is just sit down and share. You know, she spends time with the kids all day. And so she wants to actually have adult conversation and and quality time. And she wants me to share. That's how Sandrine knows I love her if I make time to sit down and give her this, this quality time. Another way we receive love is acts of service. That's another one that Sandrine unfortunately has. So me doing the dishes really tells her I love her. All right, acts of service. Another one is physical touch. That's me. Physical touch is my love language, as with most men. Um, but it's, it's as simple as, as a friend just putting his arm around my shoulder and giving me a squeeze. And I just know, I know, man, he loves me. And it, it assures me. Another one of those five is words of encouragement. That's a big one for me. Just, just hearing affirmation from somebody makes me feel loved. And then this last one is probably my biggest one. It's receiving gifts. I know Christmas is over, but I still, I still take them. All right? <laughs> so receiving gifts is another love language, another way that we receive love. And you know what all five of those have in common? 
all five of those, if they're acted out, meet a need in the person that receives it. They meet a need. Quality time meets the need for attention and conversation. Acts of service often meets a very physical need, something that needs to be done. It's a need that's being met. Physical touch meets the need for physical contact and affection. Words of encouragement meet the need of, of affirmation in us. We need to know that, that what we did was right and, and that, we, um, that we helped out in a situation. Words of affirmation and receiving gifts you know, meets the need for an iPod. <laughs> no, no. But, but receiving gifts can, can meet a very, very tangible need. We give things that people need. But really, for me, the big need that's being met with a gift as small as it could be, is somebody thought of me. The need to know I am known and I was thought of. So all of these ways that we receive love meet a need. So we feel loved by somebody when they, they meet a need without any payback, besides our love in return. Right? Isn't that true? We feel loved when needs in our life are met without gaining anything from it. A great example of that in my life was my dad. My dad passed away in a car crash in 95, very suddenly. And this jacket was one that he, he gave to me one, one year for Christmas. And it's my last physical reminder of him. He gave it to me on Christmas, I believe it must have been 94. I was off in Bible college and I came home for the vacation, the winter vacation. And, and uh, I went out with some of my old soccer buddies and we went to a disco. Those were the disco days. And I knew my dad didn't approve of me going to discos and staying up late. And, and I really shouldn't have. Well, so we went to this disco. You know, this kind of, and, uh, and we stayed out late. I came home at four in the morning and it was really bitter cold. I had won a karaoke contest that night, though, so I want to say that. I won a karaoke contest at the disco. But my dad definitely didn't approve of a Bible college student hanging out at a disco until 4 in the morning. So I came home. I didn't, hadn't taken a jacket that night. It was bitter cold. I was standing at the door, and I had forgotten my keys. So I started making snowballs and throwing them at my brother Tobias' window, trying to wake him up, but that boy could sleep, I tell you. We could barely wake him up in the morning, so I don't know what I was thinking about trying to wake him up at four. But all of a sudden, I see a light go on in the house, and somebody comes down the stairs, and it's my dad standing at the door looking at me. And I, I knew he wasn't excited that I was out that late, that I had woken him up. He opened the door, and he looked at me and said, how long have you been out here? I said, oh, half an hour. He said, you look freezing. Don't you have a jacket? I said, what? No, I lost my winter jacket. I don't have a jacket. Okay, come in. There wasn't a word of disapproval, although I knew he didn't approve. But a few days later, on Christmas Eve, he, he picked up this jacket for me. It's a Hugo Boss jacket. It was really expensive. My dad loved this jacket. He didn't, he didn't splurge a lot, but when he bought something, he bought something good, and then he kept it for years and years and years, and he loved this jacket. He really loved this jacket. And even though he didn't approve of my actions that night. He wasn't excited that I woke him up at four in the morning. But out of love for me and just simply the need for a warm jacket, 
He wrapped up the jacket that I know he really dearly loved and treasured and wrapped it up for me and, and gave it to me. And on a really small, comparatively insignificant level, that, that story to me illustrates God's love for us and what he did for us and how he showed his love for us. You know, in the video, the question was, what is love? And it seemed like a lot of people had a hard time defining it and said it can't really be defined. But you know what? I think the Bible defines it for us and God has defined it for us. And I want to read a passage for you from First John Chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11 and then skip to verse 16. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 11 and 16. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then in verse 16, it simply says this, God is love. So what is love? God is love. And then in Romans 5, it basically reiterates this, but goes into a little more detail. I want to read that for you too. Romans 5, verses 5 through 8. It says, Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God is love. He, He defines love and he is defined by love. If, really, if one word needed to sum up all that God, or one sentence that God wants us to know from his word, is that he loves us. And everything he does, everything he allows, is to the, that end, that we would know and understand that he loves us. And I tell you what, this, the love that he has for us blows my mind. That the almighty God who created the universe, who has everything, all of history under his control, loves Christian Kokoshite, blows my mind. And, and it says here in both of these passages, in First John and in Romans, that his love was defined by what Jesus did. By Jesus leaving heaven, leaving the presence of his father, becoming human like us. And then dying so that we might live. That's how the Bible defines love. That's the ultimate expression of God's love. And I love how it says this. You know, for a good man, somebody, somebody might consider die for a righteous person. And I was thinking, who would I actually be willing to die for? Who would I actually be willing to give my life for among the living people? I, I, I hope I can actually say that I would, I would be willing to give my life for Jesus. And I, 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 I want to say that, that I would. When we don't live in a cultural setting where that really is, is, a, is, an, is an issue. But who, who among the people I know would I actually die for? And right away I can tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, without a question asked, hands down, I would be willing to die for my children and my wife. I don't know about the rest of you. 
but I would be willing to die for my children and for my wife. I, I know I would run into a burning building to get them. I would probably leave our dark cookie, <laughs> but right after them I'd get my golf clubs. But I would, I know I would be willing to give my life for my family. Wouldn't you? The depth and intensity of love for our children and family is amazing, isn't it? Isn't it mind-blowing? The love that, that God puts into our hearts for, for our children and our spouses, the people dependent on us. I found an amazing story on, um, in the Associated Press. I don't know if you remember the earthquake in China. Um, it was a couple of years ago already now. I found this story. When the rescuers reached the ruins of a young woman's house, they saw her dead body through the cracks. But her pose was somehow strange, that she knelt on her knees like a person was worshipping. Her body was leaning forward, and her two hands were supporting by an object. The collapsed house had crashed her back and her head. With so many difficulties, the leader of the rescue team put his hand through a narrow gap on the, on the wall to reach the woman's body. He was hoping that this woman could, could be still alive. However, the cold and stiff body told him that she had passed away for sure. And he and the rest of the team left this house and were going to search the next collapsed building. For some reason, the team leader was driven by a compelling force to go back to the ruined house of the dead woman. Again, he knelt down and used his head, used his head through the narrow cracks to search the little space under the dead body. Suddenly, he screamed with, with excitement. A child! There is a child! The whole team worked together. Carefully, they removed the piles of ruined objects around the dead woman. There was a three-month-old little boy wrapped in a flowery blanket under the, his mother's dead body. Obviously, the woman had made an ultimate sacrifice for saving her son when her house was falling. When her house was falling, she used her body to make a cover to protect her son. The little boy was still sleeping peacefully when the team leader picked him up. The medical doctor came quickly to examine the little boy. After he opened the blanket, he saw a cell phone inside the blanket. There was a text message on the screen. It said, If you can survive, you must remember that I love you. The cell phone was passing around from one hand to another. Everybody that, everybody that read the message wept. If you can survive, you must remember that I love you. A mother's sacrificial love for her little son and her last message to him. That's all she wanted him to know. Anything she, he wanted, she wanted him to know is that she loved him. You see, the mother's love for her baby here is a great, another great picture of God's love for you and me. You know, she didn't love this little three-month-old boy because of his looks or what he had accomplished or what he did for her. She loved him because he was her son. And it's the same with God and you. God doesn't love you because you're accomplished. Not because of, of what you've done, not of the way you, because of the way you look, but simply because he's a God of love and because he made you. And there is a reason why the Bible again and again and again calls God our Father and us his children. 1 John 4, 8 said, He is love. God is love. And that means no matter how ugly you might feel inside today, no matter how unworthy 
no matter how imperfect or unlovable you feel today, I want you to know that the Bible tells us that God loves you deeply with a, with a much greater love than this woman in China loved her little boy. He loves you. And he loved you to death. Isn't that a funny expression we use to tell somebody, I love you to death? Well, God loves you to death. He loved you to his son's death so that you might live and that you might know his deep love and affection and desire for you. In the Romans passage that we read in Romans 5, verse 8, I want to read that again. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, the word, the word sinners is a very loaded term. It really means, it means all of us, people who do things that are contrary to what God wants us to do. Making selfish choices in this life. Missing the mark of perfection, then he said. Another word in this Romans passage calls us ungodly. It just means away from God. It means rebelling against him, rejecting him and his love for us. And you and I have done and we continue to do countless things on a daily basis that, that reject God. That insult him, really. Yet, this passage tells us that in spite of that, while we were still sinners... While we were still rejecting him, he loved us nonetheless. So much so that he sent Jesus to die for you and for me. For Jesus to do what we, what the passage said, we were powerless to do it. We were powerless to please God. We were powerless to be righteous. But because Jesus paid the price by us accepting that we, we can be blameless in God's sight. Jesus accomplished what we were powerless to do out of love for us. Great illustration of that for me is the story of a, a father, a man in Germany that I knew very, very well. And I watched him struggle with one of his sons. Struggle badly. The son, the, this father was, was a godly man. He, he was a Christ follower and tried to raise his children in that way. But one of his sons was, was very rebellious. He was, was difficult growing up at times, but it became really, really tough during his teenage years. He, he started to get into drugs, buying, selling, dealing. Um, his, his sex life was a scandal, even by today's uh, standards out there. And his decisions just broke this father's heart. And it was hard to watch. It went to the point where there were physical attacks of the son to the father. And it broke the father's heart. But you know what this father did? And I watched him do this for a long time was pray. Pray for the son. Pray for God's mercy. Pray for his life to be around. Pray for their relationship to be reconciled. This father at some point fasted for weeks on end, just on liquids, to the point where he, as a successful businessman, couldn't hold his body fluids, soiled his, his clothes out of love for his son, who wasn't reciprocating that at all, who was in open rebellion and attacking. And I know, 
I know that this father at that time would have been willing to give his life so that his son's life could be turned around. I know he would have done that. In the face of open rebellion. And you see, this, this is how God loves you. Only many, many, many times more. And you might say, well, I'm not as bad as the son seemed to have been to his father. I'm okay with God. I'm... See, then if, if we think that, then we haven't understood what sin does in our life. Any sin is, a, is an attack on God. Any sin separates us from him. Unless we accept his forgiveness and accept his love and accept the sacrifice that his son was willing to make on that cross. That's how much God loves you. I asked you earlier, is there anybody that you would die for? And I asked you this, can you imagine anybody actually dying for you? Can you imagine that? Somebody here today giving his life so that you could live? Isn't that mind-blowing to think that somebody would do that for you and for me? Do you know what? Somebody did. Somebody did. Jesus, the man Jesus, actually gave his life with you on his mind. And Ephesians tells us it is so that you can live. And it's not just talking about breathing, heart-beating living. It's talking about spiritually living, being truly alive the way God intended you to be alive. You know, we can't really talk about God's love for us without talking about the story that Jesus tells in Luke 15. And I know I've talked about this story here before, and I know you've heard it. The story we call the story of the prodigal son. A wealthy father who had two sons, at least that we know of. And, and one of them came to the father and said, Hey, really, I, I really don't care much. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He said, I really don't care much about you. What I do care about is what, what you own and the wealth you have and, and what I can get out of that. And he asked him for his part of the inheritance. Really what he told his father at that point was, you know what, I, I'd much rather you be dead and I have this. And you know what? His father actually gave him his part of the inheritance. He gave him part of the inheritance. So he went off and, and, and spent it on, on while living on alcohol and sex and drugs. And, and that's, what, that's what Luke 15 tells us. He just lived it up and spent it all until he was completely broke, alone, deserted, unloved by anybody. And he finds himself tending someone else's pigs and coveting the food that the pigs are eating because he had nothing left. And it's at that point that he comes to his senses and realizes what he had done, realizes the, the wrongfulness of it, and decides to go back home, go back to his father and, and ask his father for forgiveness, ask him, his father to take him back, not even as a son, but just as, a, as another servant living in the house serving his father and just being a paid worker. And so he, he makes his walk back home. And I can't imagine the shame and humiliation that, that came with making that trip back home. But you know, in the meantime, his father, who had been so deeply rejected by his son and hurt and taken advantage of, every day he was looking out 
looking out for his son to come back. And on that day when he finally saw his son on the horizon and recognized him, this wealthy man, businessman, threw off his clothes and ran towards his son and embraced him and wouldn't even consider having him as a servant, but embraced him back as his son and threw a huge party for him, which kind of ticked off the other brother, but we'll, we won't get into that this morning. See, Jesus tells us in that story that that is a picture of God's love for us. What's interesting to me is that the father gave the son his inheritance, which the father knew wouldn't be good for him. You see, God does that sometimes with us because he gives us choice. He gives us choice and gives us the freedom to make choices that might hurt us because he knows we need to learn certain lessons. And nonetheless... He is there, just like this father in the story. And it's a fictional story that Jesus made up to illustrate God's love. Just like this father, God is just waiting, day by day, waiting for us to turn around, come to him in repentance, in, in asking for forgiveness, recognizing that what we are doing is wrong in his eyes, that we need his forgiveness. And he is willing to embrace us. And, and, and bring us back in and throw a party in heaven for us. See, I, that's why I think we, we can't truly appreciate and experience God's love unless we realize and recognize our need for forgiveness. And until we really r realize our, our need for reconciliation with God. Because only... Only if we really know God's love, if we really know and experience God's love through his son Jesus, can we really fully experience life the way God intends us to experience it with him. I'm going to read you a verse in Ephesians that, that just hits it on the nail. Ephesians three seventeen to 19. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let me read that again. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He wants us to understand the depth and fullness of his love. And he wants us to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Why? So that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We can only experience the fullness of God. And I just want to tell you, that's what I want to experience. I want to experience everything that God has in store for me. But I can only do that if I understand his love expressed through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me. And I just want to tell you today in closing that, that there is nothing, nothing better in life than knowing God's love through his son Jesus Christ. Knowing the forgiveness that we can have, the freedom that we can have in him. And experience his love that will change our life. There's nothing. There's nothing like it. And I want to encourage those of you who, who don't know that love yet. 
I want to, I want to urge you. I just don't want to encourage you. I want to urge you to consider your life. I want to urge you to, to humble yourself like this son in the prodigal son story in Luke 15. To turn around, to recognize your need for Jesus. To recognize your need for forgiveness and for reconciliation with God. And to walk towards him. And I promise you, he will run your way and embrace you. And his love will change your life forever. I want to ask the band to come up. While I want to talk to those of you that, that have made that choice. To receive this love that God has for us. To receive Jesus. You know, if, if, if you have done that, then I just want to encourage all of us to be careful to stay living in that love. Because it's so easy, once you've accepted that gift of love, to then get into a rut and a tradition. And all of a sudden we go in, come into a pattern of now, suddenly we need to earn God's approval and his, his love for us. We don't. Let's continue to live in that freedom that comes from God's love for us. And if you have received God's love, and, and if you're receiving it this morning, well then let's dish it back out to those around us. Because that's what really counts, is that our faith expresses itself in love to the people around us. Let's be people of patience, of compassion, and of forgiveness. And let's love others around us, not because they deserve it, or because they do anything to earn it, but let's do it because we've been filled with God's love. And we've been filled, He wants to fill us to the overflowing so that we can can dish it out and pass it on to others around us. So why did Jesus die on that cross? Why? Because God proved his love to us in it. You know, so often the cross stands for, is always a symbol of death. But you know what it is? It is the greatest symbol of love that could ever be. And I just want to encourage you, the next time that you feel unloved by God, would you just picture Jesus on that cross and know that that happened because God loved you deeply. So as we go into worship now, we, um, we will celebrate communion, which is only very, very fitting to do on this day because it's what Jesus told us to do, told his disciples to do on the last night that he spent with them. And he told them, do this to remember what I'm going to do on the cross for you. So today as we looked at the greatest expression of God's love for us, Jesus giving his life for you and for me, we want to we do that this morning and remember what he did, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed so that we could know God's love and that we could be in a relationship with him. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 11. Verses 23 through 26, really quickly. These are the instructions that God gave. Paul recalls them. He says, The Lord Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we do this to remember what he has done. In verse 28 here, it also says this, A man or a woman 
ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. This is, this is a practice for followers of Jesus. So if you, if you have made the decision to follow Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus and his gift of love into your life, I just want to welcome you and encourage you to come and, and take communion with us this morning. And as you see, we, it was just put up here. Um, just during this next song, um, whenever you're right in your heart and examine your heart, bring things before him that need to be brought before God, confess what might need to be confessed, and then come and, and take the bread and drink the wine in remembrance of what Jesus did. And, and if this morning you want to, for the first time, trust Jesus and accept his gift of love, then I want to encourage you to come and, and take this bread and this, this juice, actually, but I also want to ask you to please come and, and let us know. Come and talk. I would love to hear your story and, and, uh, and pray with you. So let's worship together.